Jamie Dimon, the CEO of big bank JP Morgan, says Bitcoin is a fraud, and he is summarily called out by his own people. So what's the deal with China? And if you've ever bought concert tickets, you know that scalpers and ridiculous, ludicrous level fees often get in the way of a great experience. We're going to talk with the CEO of one company that intends to disrupt the ticket game. It's all kinds of sleep-deprived crypto fun on episode number 26 of The Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, Who's bad? And I say sleep deprived because I am sleep deprived. Joel Com here, freshly back from two weeks across the Atlantic, on the continent of Europe, via Germany and Czechoslovakia, alongside my comrade who's been doing some domestic traveling, Travis Wright. Hello, Travis. Hello, Mr. Joel Com. So what what is the opposite of deprived? Because I have that much sleep. I'm feeling deprived. I'm deprived. I am sleep deprived. <laughs> you getting all the sleep. And you're in uh, Chicago as of this recording right now while I'm back at home base of Denver. And you, I believe you're giving a talk tomorrow. And when people hear this, you will have already given that talk. So much applause. Thank you. Actually, I will be I'm going to be the MC of the whole event. So I'm MCing tomorrow, which will be fun. I don't, do it, I don't do it all that often, but uh, it's not something I actually put on my resume, but I've done it a few times, and then I always seem to get referred to do it more so because people have heard me at another place. Because I'll do some magic. I got some, other, I got some other tricks. It's pretty fun, so I'll go out there. They think it's Pendulette, but it's not true. It's not Pendulette. Can, uh, can you make Bitcoin magically appear in my wallet? Uh, you know, I wish I could because if I could, it would not be in your wallet. It would, but I'll it tell you what. You I'll give you a few. I'll give you a few. Well, you guys can make Bitcoin magically appear in our wallet, and we can make it appear in yours. If you haven't signed up with Coinbase yet, then uh, go to badco.in forward slash Coinbase. And when you open your account and make your first purchase of any of the delicious coins that they have for sale, meaning Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Litecoin, when you spend $100, they will credit your account with $10 worth of Bitcoin, and they also do the same for us. So thanks to those of you who have supported the show and begun your crypto journey in that way, and we welcome you to the crypto fold. Yes, we noticed that quite a few people bought during the dip, so nicely done. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit about that when we get to the news today. I also want to let everybody know that the Bad Coin giveaway continues, and we have now distributed over 105 million, million. Bad Coin in our initial token giveaway. And we're still giving Bad Coin away just for the asking and for reviews. And we're not going to go in depth on how you do that right now. But if you go to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash bad crypto you can find it there it's the pinned um, post there on the page and speaking of bad coin uh, bad coin is listed on the BitShares exchange and there's this cool site that we discovered called cryptofresh.com that actually allows you to see really all the important metrics around 
any tokens that are traded on the um, the BitShares exchange. Yes, and if you if you go there, you'll notice we have four hundred and seventy five hodlers of uh, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy that if I'm looking at it and you can see that there's some people who are trying to sell some like and there's some people who are buying some out there some people who got some and they're like yeah I'm trying to sell it all but I'm sorry you're not going to get much out of it <laughs> yeah because it's pretty much worthless currency at the moment but hey you know what if somebody came along six seven years ago and said hey you want you know 50,000 free bitcoin um, those are worthless, and you know you certainly would have taken those. At some point, we are going to find a way that you can redeem these bad coin for something. Um, I don't know yet what that is right now. We're still just giving them away. So uh-huh. come and get them while you can. Yeah, what was interesting is we saw some, some interesting suggestions about what we could do with it. One person told us to, to shove it, but we're not going to talk about that. But uh, other people said... <laughs> It would be really cool if you could like have stickers or T-shirts that people could buy with the bad coin or get into a special Facebook group or something, have to have a certain amount, and then you could see live videos. And so people were making some interesting suggestions of what we could do with bad coin. So if you have a suggestion of, of what you think that would be something cool to do with bad coin, uh, maybe give us a call. We have a phone number, and that number is 708-885-9030. And, uh, or you can leave us a voicemail, ask us a question, give us a tip, tell us to stick the bad coin where the sun don't shine, whatever. It's your choice. There's a lot of ways to contact us. And just because we don't respond to all of you because we get so many calls, we get emails sent to badcryptopodcast at gmail.com. We get comments and questions on our Facebook page uh, and we have our contact form. And so we read everything and uh, we need your questions we need your feedback and we love your compliments we are now heard and get this 150 countries and to celebrate that travis is now going to say thank you in 150 languages thank you in 150 languages (laughs) well played my friend i wasn't quite sure where you were going to go with that oh and guess what i got listen to this what did you get Hear, hear the sound of um, cheap tokens that are not actual silver. Oh my gosh, is that twenty four karat plated? It, this uh, <laughs> so added to my Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum uh, collection is this brand new Dogecoin. It is a limited edition. Only twenty five hundred of these worthless uh, copper which are gold-plated tokens, but it's beautiful. We're minted, and you'll see in the show notes both a picture of me with the coin and the place that I purchased it from sent me a certificate of authenticity. It's a shibamint.com, and I just love having these cool little coins on my desk. It just reminds me of how into crypto I am and... Um, how into this podcast I am and how into this podcast you all are. And so that'll be in the show notes. Uh, and in fact, you guys are so into it that the questions keep coming. We're going to go to a question from a crypto chick right now. Hi guys. My name is Allie and just want to say I love the show. Uh, I'm a pretty new crypto investor. I've only been investing since about June and I've noticed over the past couple of months that it's, 
pretty difficult to parse out good news reporting on crypto. Um, kind of seems like even the best financial reporters out there um, don't even really get it. Um, and and I, I I just kind of feel like even some of the the biggest names in mag in news news magazines and websites tend to just kind of repeat the whole Bitcoin is a bubble headline and just kind of serve for clicks. So my question is, do you have some go-to websites that you think are the most reliable sources for news and research? Allie, that is that is a great, great question. First of all, it's wonderful to hear a female voice, male, coming through on our, on our wonderful hotline. So thank you. Actually, more and more of them are, are calling in now. So uh, Crypto true. Chicks, ahoy. We like it. Yeah, yeah, this is great. And it's so so yeah, so one of the things that I that I think is is important to consider on this and and here it's a, it's part of the whole epidemic of how, you know, the Federal Reserve Bank and banking is. And let me let me give you I want to give you a preface of this about the media and why it's important where you choose your media and choosing your media wisely. So I'm gonna I'm gonna run this down for you real quick. So we know now we've had conversations. We know that the that the biggest scam coin of all time is probably the U.S. dollar, right? It's mm-hmm. the altcoin that came pre-mined. There's no coin cap. They print as many as they want, and it's unchecked, right? So it's one of those it's one of those shit coins, uh, you know. But what happens is is the bankers, the ones who control these coin these dollars. They basically, over the last 100 years, have purchased all these corporations. They basically use that money to fund which politicians that they want to uh, to pass through their agenda. They also use this money to buy these media companies. So there's only six companies that own the majority of the mainstream media companies, and they're passing through their narratives and they're telling us what they want to pass because right, it's all it's all big part of one ecosystem, right? Once once. The, 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 you you get that unveiled and you realize how corrupt that system is. You go, damn, wow. You start understanding that you really do need to get your news sources from alternative places, right? The mainstream media is not always the best place to get your news. It's not always truthful. And so one of the places that there's actually a few places where we like to go to get to get our news. Uh, Coindesk is a great place to get uh, get your crypto news. Uh, newsbtc.com is a great place. Cointelegraph.com is another wonderful place to get news. And and what about what about uh, what about our Flipboard? Uh, yeah, that we be flipping for the Flipboard. So all, all these sites, by the way, they are all focused on crypto. These are you know, uh, whereas MSNBC or Forbes or Business Week, you know, might have somebody writing a story about something in the news about crypto or Bitcoin, these sites are all focused purely on this information. And and I think they're probably more likely to have, uh, you know, maybe a a bias in favor to some degree because they understand that Bitcoin is a thing. Uh, But we, we tend to go there more. And if you'll notice from our show notes, we'll often link to stories that we find on these sites, and Travis started a flipboard for us a few weeks ago where we drop the stories that we find, and uh, there's more stories than what we talk about here on the show. But if you want to check out our flipboard and subscribe to it, it's at badco.in forward slash flip. Duh. Well, not flip, duh, just flip like duh. Would we, what? Yeah, because if you go to flip, duh, that goes somewhere totally different. 
that's yeah, that's flipping duh. So hope that answers your question, Allie. I hope you guys check out our Flippo Bordo and let's go to some of the stories that we have flipped in today's news segment. Duh. While I was away, much happened in news and what a lot of people don't realize is that we pre-recorded most of the last two weeks episodes and so the crash took place while I was in Germany and in some of the more recent episodes we talked about how the market was stable but the fact of the matter is it wasn't and nobody called us on it no nobody nobody said hey what are you talking about Bitcoin crashed Uh, but a lot of it centered on what's happened with China and basically China has cracked down on a couple things Uh, first of all they said they are doing a temporary ban on ICOs in China, and then they added more fuel to the fire, more salt to the wound, um, another nail in our heart, I'm running out of metaphors, by cracking down on Bitcoin exchange trading in the country. That is true, and so that's caused a lot of volatility within the market, right? So. What ended up happening was there was a huge, massive sell-off. So you might have noticed a few days ago where Bitcoin was almost at $5,000, what, at the start of uh, start of September? And then it dropped down to, like, what, $2,800, something like that? Like uh, a rock. Then, like yeah. a rock. Mm. Yeah. There mm. we go. I, you know, we, we hadn't got any musical references in today until then. That was great. That was, You know, especially the, uh, I was... That was pretty solid. But I want you guys to think about this here with what China's doing, right? Because we've talked about this a few times before. And so I what I personally think, I don't I don't know. I'm I'm not Chinese. I don't have any partners in the, you know, Chinese People's Republic the Bank of China. But you but have you do enjoy Chinese food. I love Chinese food. I am actually a key opinion leader with Huawei, and you are as well, correct? Are you a Huawei that, KLO? That is yep, I've got my Huawei P ten plus sitting here on my desk. Yeah, so we're 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 kind of Chinese, but um, <laughs> but what what I, what I think is interesting about this is that I know in June there's an article and we talked about this a few episodes back where China was talking about creating their own cryptocurrency, right? The People's Bank of China is creating their own currency, and then they say, "Hey, no more ICOs. Let's put the kibosh on Bitcoin trading in these exchanges." Let's drop the price. Then, then, then the price has gone way up. There's a there's like fifty one million dollar purchase of Bitcoin. I noticed um, uh, when it when it dropped. So who knows who knows how or why that happened? But I think there's something to this. I think China is is really trying to regulate and put rules and regulations on these exchanges. They're trying to make sure these ICOs are all above board. So I think when the news hits that. All right, they are turning them back on or whatever. Then they're, it's going to go to the moon again because now the market's sort of stabilized without China really being in it. And once China jumps back in it, boy, the price could the price could really take a ride. Yeah, and this article that we're linking in the show notes says China now accounts for less than fifteen percent of Bitcoin trading volume. And you know, here's the thing: when ICOs are this unregulated thing all around the world and China's looking at it and going, we're just temporarily suspending these. And by the way, this has not 
dramatically affected the price of Neo, which has been hovering around twenty dollars still. And I think another one is Quantum Q Q T U M. I think that also deals with Chinese ICOs. I think this is a temporary ban. They're going to get regulations in place, and then they're going to find ways that the Chinese bank can best profit for this. In the meantime, there's a story here that traders leaving China are moving to Japan. And according to the Cointelegraph, Japan has become the largest Bitcoin market because traders are leaving China. And it says that 50.75% of the market share of the global Bitcoin exchange uh, is now in Japan. Mm. So... Man, that's actually very fascinating to to see that that so much. So now China is fifteen percent or less. Wow! They said the Chinese Bitcoin exchange daily volume has gone from fifteen percent to less than seven percent. Yeah, and more money is going into Japan. That is interesting. There's a there's a quote here. Uh, from Charlie Lee, who's the creator of Litecoin, which we both are fans of. He says, this is a good thing. China can no longer play with the markets by banning Bitcoin. Cryptocurrency cannot be killed by any country. One solution to centralized exchanges is decentralized ones. And so, you know, this brings some stabilization. And as of today's episode, Bitcoin's been hovering around $4,000. Ethereum around two eighty five, Litecoin around fifty. 5253. And so all of this fear, uncertainty, and doubt about China seems to be, appears to be built in. What do we really know? We don't know squat because neither Travis nor I are financial advisors, investment advisors. You shouldn't listen to anything we say other than to have a few laughs and giggles, but go do your own due diligence and decide what to do with your own money. We are not responsible for you um, because that would be irresponsible. And speaking of irresponsible... Joel, Joel, yes, I I can assure you China. China. Nobody's better than China. I see. I see what you did there. <laughs> I, I and I'm wondering: is there a Chinese translation for the word kabosh that you use? I don't used? know. I don't uh, if know. anybody speaks uh, Chinese, either you know traditional or or Mandarin, and there's a word for mm-hmm. kabosh, uh, write us. Well, we've now us said know. that word now in all of the episodes now since you just said it three times. Kabosh. Uh, the other t- <laughs> kabosh. We've now said it seven. Eight kibosh, times. Kibosh, 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 kibosh. It's a fun word to I, say. I've lost track. I've lost track now. I don't even know how many that is. Usually, it's you know from the Italians though. <laughs> Listen, don't make us take your Bitcoin. We're gonna have to put the kibosh on you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, but but speaking of something, I was gonna say uh, irresponsible. That, that's <laughs> that's what I was gonna it's say. It sounded like that you were you were constipated there a little bit. You were kind of grunting. Uh, well, that does, your Italian is kind of a constipated Italian. That was nice. I like that. I, I just wanted to comment. <laughs> Uh, That's actually a website, (laughs) constipatedItalian.com. Speaking of irresponsible, Jamie Dimon, the uh, CEO of J.P. Morgan, big bank, uh, some would say evil, came out just uh, last week and said Bitcoin was a fraud. Not a frog, like Pepe, uh, a fraud. And what did the internet say about that? 
Yeah, so what's interesting about that is they they totally called him. They called they they basically said that JP Morgan CEO was full of shit and that he, he that the biggest fraud ever is is the dollar, right? And JP Morgan, the actual dude JP Morgan was one of the guys who invented the Federal Reserve Bank, right? Along with the Rockefellers and some of these other guys. But what's interesting is that um there were people who were like uh, Charlie Schramm, he said Jamie Dimon has had an internal blockchain working group for over 2 years at JP Morgan and his friend and my and his friend is on it. So basically JP Dimon or Jamie Dimon, he's full of it. And there was other people saying like there there was another dude who actually was a leader at, at JP Morgan and he came back and he said something along the lines of, uh, hey, you're a great leader and all this, but dude, just do yourself a favor and shut the F up about Bitcoin because you don't know right. shit about it. <laughs> well, apparently uh, the news is that J.P. Morgan Chase has tried to uh, get a patent on an alternative to Bitcoin yeah. and yeah. been rejected 175 times. So, you know, what are the ulterior motives of uh, somebody like this? And, you know, there are those who say that the uh, the heads of the big banks are really some of the biggest criminals. And uh, I'm not making any accusations. I'm just saying some people say that. And so... Uh, yeah. JP and, and Diamond, he was actually on the board of directors of the Federal Reserve Bank in New York, right? So it's like, these are those wall street tycoons right they they want to maintain their power they've had power they don't want to give it up right power is this is this drug that is just it's almost like it's insatiable for some of these people who are in power it's like even like how much money do you need how much power do you need like like it's like there's just this craving that they have for it it's just it's just unreal and this decentralized nature of bitcoin just kind of freaks people out i'm not sure if this is just you know uh um urban legend or if it was actually said but i heard that the elder rockefeller of the rockefeller family was once asked how much money is enough and the answer was just one dollar more um, but conversely he was also asked how much money are you going to leave when you die and he allegedly responded with all of it mm-hmm. i guess that's what happens when you die you don't end up taking any of your crypto or fiat currency with you. It's weird. So leave it to Travis and myself. If uh, you're planning on leaving this planet, uh, we are addresses. And if you do, are... but leave us the secret keys, though, too. We gotta yeah, well, no, we have addresses. It's in the show That's notes. True. That's true. So yeah, just, yeah. just send us all your coin, and we'll appreciate that. And, uh, and that's the news. Let's go to today's featured ICO Spotlight interview. And the segment that you're about to hear was pre-recorded actually today, just a few hours ago. But, you know, when we do these interviews, uh, typically we also record them on video so that there's a bad crypto extra for you to enjoy on our YouTube channel. So YouTube, actually the short URL is badco.in forward slash YouTube. And one way that we um, help to support the show is by speaking with uh, key members of ICOs that we have vetted that we believe are bringing uh, value to the marketplace that have the potential to do some serious disruption. And so we just want to let you know in full disclosure that we are being compensated for the bringing this interview to you today. But we do like what we see here and we're looking forward to hopefully acquiring some tokens of our own for this. And so with no further ado to be a done here it uh, it uh, is that's all folks extra extra watch all about it 
This is uh, Mr. Ashton Addison, who is the CEO of EventChain, eventchain.io, a brand new blockchain uh, cryptocurrency token thingamajigger designed to disrupt the ticket industry with smart tickets. And welcome, Ashton. Hey, thanks for having me, Joel. Thanks, Travis. It's our pleasure. So, so tell us, tell us about the uh, the event chain and how it all works, right? Because we've all had experiences with companies like StubHub and we've Ticketmaster, and you know, we, we we've seen how robots are buying up all the tickets and and making it generally a pain for people to try to get good pricing on on tickets here. So, so what is event chain and, and how is it solving? Uh, what are smart tickets and how is it solving some of the problems that people have to deal with? Yeah, you know what? Um, I feel you guys. You know, everyone has those ticketing issues, um, and every time you want to go to the concert, it's almost impossible to uh, get a ticket without either the the scalpers buying it up, or if they do buy it up, then you end up paying twice as much. Um, so we're twice developing- as much, twice as much, dude. I live in Colorado, and Red Rocks Amphitheater, arguably the best outdoor amphitheater in America. Tom Petty was here this summer, and I could not find a ticket in the cheap seats for less than $400. They were thousands for the, the close rows. He's kidding. He, he was seeing Celine Dion. <laughs> My <laughs> yeah, heart no, I will go on. Even for Celine Dion, I've seen tickets go for as much as $10,000. Um, for what? what? Just somebody buying it up and reselling it to you just so that they can make a buck? It's also, yeah. front row tickets at those big sporting events, they, they go for that. I mean, I know like during the World Series, people were spending like in Kansas City a couple of years ago, they spent like ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 for a front row ticket, uh, you know, behind home plate, which is crazy, especially when you see the regular value of it was like $1,000 for a World Series ticket, spending 20 times that. Totally. So yeah. everybody's familiar with this, and this is a problem. Is this the problem that Event Chain is going to help solve? Yeah. Well, we're going to use the power of Ethereum and the power of blockchain technology to put these tickets into smart contracts and record them and have more transparency from the venues and the artists so we can see how many tickets there are, what the prices are, and we can lower transaction fees. Um, and counterfeit ticketing just through using distributed ledgers. So that's definitely the goal here. It's a fascinating thing for me to think about this, right? So I'm a little, I'm, I'm curious about the nuances of this. So say, for example, are you going to be partnering with the artist directly? Are you partnering directly with the venues? Are you connecting or partnering with companies like Ticketmaster? How, how exactly does that work? Yeah, you know what? Um, we actually have the ability to make partnerships through all of these avenues. Um, and while we are trying to disrupt companies like Ticketmaster, it is possible that they could utilize the blockchain system that we've created to still run their events and ha- bring more transparency for the fans uh, and lower the ticketing prices. Um, however, we're aiming towards a more Eventbrite-like system where we're lowering the barriers to entry for smaller events and for individuals and for artists that just want to create a small event and try to make some money without having to go through the huge ticketing intermediaries. Um, So we're definitely focusing on 
um, making the connection between artists and fans directly um, in, in hopes of tightening the relationship uh, between those two parties. Well, walk us through that. Give us a scenario. Um, you know, you're an artist and you want to be able to use smart tickets uh, with Event Chain and, and bring those tickets to your fans. How, walk us through. How does this work? Yeah. So say you're a small artist. Um, you're just running everything yourself. You're just trying to make a living and you want to create an event and sell tickets, uh, but you don't want to have to get Ticketmaster involved and um, you know lose a bunch of your profits. Uh, you could go to the smart ticketing application um, on the desktop and create an event, set your times, set your prices, um, set your capacity in your venue, and then that would be create a smart contract um, out of the event, which had a unique list of all the tickets available. And then through uh, the web and through the mobile applications, any fans would be able to go and purchase tickets directly from that contract, send the funds through the blockchain to the artist directly, um, and then he would be able to get more of uh, the profits that he deserves. And while the fans could have that feeling of actually giving back to the artist and knowing that the ticket that they're paying for is going towards what they want rather than how much does Ticketmaster take? You know, when you say avoid the fees, like yeah. um, how disruptive is this? It's pretty disruptive. Um, if we're talking American dollars, which will be the least amount of fees, you're looking at two and a half percent plus three and a half percent plus nominal fees of up to twenty dollars per ticket. So we're looking at least eight um, percent to ten percent of the fees on top of your ticket. And then you have the convenience fee, and then you have the handling fee, and then the extra handling convenience, super convenience fee, and then you have the printing fee, and then and it's, it's like the ridiculous. Fee, the fee to cover the fees. Yeah, yeah, the fee fee. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of fees um, with ambiguous names um, that yeah. we're trying to figure out what we're still paying for. Uh, when we just really want to reward the artist for the presentation that they're putting on. That's true. I'm like, what do you mean the printing fee? Like, I'm printing it with my own ink and on my own. Like, how how is that a fee? Like, convenience for who? <laughs> I think uh, that they may have stepped it a little bit too far with the printing your own ticket fee, but I yeah. heard that um, that's not that's not implemented in every case nowadays. But that yeah. was the notorious print your own ticket fee. Um, yeah. One of the things I really like about this is say, for example, like I, you know, if you if you buy a ticket on StubHub, right, or you buy it from a third party and then I'm printing it out, how do I know that he hasn't put it on StubHub and he hadn't put it on these other event ticket sites or how he has as I'm always really curious whenever I buy one from the third party, I always make sure that I get to that event earlier than I normally would. That way I'm the first one in the door with the ticket. If somebody else has a duplicate, their hose, not me. And so now, now say I now is this a mobile app that you have? Now this ticket's on my mobile app, and then it's tracked through the blockchain, and it, people can see where that is on the open ledger, and I, I can see that nobody else has a, a copy of this. How is that going to um, to fix counterfeiting, or is that is, is that something that this is aimed to work on? Yeah, definitely. Um, and you're right about the secondary market. You know, getting to the show early to make sure that the ticket that you bought is a legitimate ticket, uh, because it's pretty common practice for these scalpers to list 
their tickets on multiple secondary markets and that even if they are a legitimate ticket if you're if they're double selling the ticket and two people happen to buy it simultaneously then one person is not going to be able to get into the event so with the event chain smart ticketing system when you purchase a ticket um, using purely digital means either through the desktop or on your mobile app there will be a unique sequence number to that ticket you will not be able to purchase it twice, just like how you cannot double spend a transaction um, on the blockchain and the ticket will be rightfully yours and you can be sure that that ticket is owned by nobody else and it is yours. It's sort of like Etherscan, right? You can take that code, send it over here, take a look at it, but it's going to be on your event chain. That's kind of like what Etherscan does with transactions. You can see, oh, where's this traction? This is this. So we're basically going to be able to put that code into event chain. It's going to say this ticket is legit. This person has it or this unique ID has it, and you know that's you. Exactly, right? It's sort of like a layman's version of a blockchain explorer. So you can see the transaction from purchasing the ticket on the blockchain, prove that it is attached to that smart contract event. And the mechanism here is your token, which is EVC, event chain. Get it, folks? Um, and so you'll need to have these tokens in order to purchase tickets. Is that correct? Yeah, we're building the smart ticketing system around um, bringing EVC into the main, uh, as a main transaction factor. So if you want to purchase tickets with the most benefits uh, that, and then you're going to need to use EVC. However, we will need to uh, also accept Ether, and eventually you will need to introduce uh, fiat payment protocols, uh, gateways rather, through companies like Coin Payments. Um, we can introduce fiat payment to people that don't have blockchain experience, but we can still transfer that to altcoins and have them run through the blockchain so that we can transact uh, uh, Travis, with the low that's cool. I like that because that isn't that a great way, Travis, of introducing people to crypto, right? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. we'll we'll take your fiat and we will make it magic happen and transmutify it into EVC and these tickets are going to magically appear in your account. Now they're getting exposed to blockchain. And I think we need more um, ICOs and more products that work like that in order to bring the masses to crypto. Yeah, especially if you do something like this where you you have the you use fiat to buy it, and then that's when you have the fiat fees, right? You have to have you know you're able to charge them like, oh well, if you wanted to buy this with EVC, it's going to be you know US ten dollars, but since you're using fiat, it's going to be seventeen fifty, and they're going to be like, what? This is ridiculous, and they're like, well, you better get yourself some EVC. That is exactly right. When you do introduce fiat back in there, then you get further regulations, more costs, third-party processors, and uh, people will actualize those benefits of using EVC when they realize that uh, it is cheaper to use cryptocurrencies to buy tickets rather than using credit cards. Uh, I mean, it, it makes it makes total sense to me. This whole this whole process seems to. Uh... To it's needed, right? This is an industry that vastly needs disrupting. Blockchain seems to be the technology that can do that. We need visibility and transparency into these tickets. Scalping is dangerous. Like you, you can't even really trust somebody who's hand, standing out there with 
printed paper. <laughs> you know, it's like they printed it off of their, their their printer at home. Like, hey, you need two tickets? I'm like, yeah, dude, you, I don't know. How many times did you print that exact same ticket off and selling it to people? So I love it. I think this, it, it's, a, it's definitely an area that needed some disruption. Well, there's so much mystery uh, behind tickets. There's so much lack of transparency. I mean, I, this has been for me, uh, 2017 was the summer of concerts. Uh, I have been to so many shows this year and, uh, you know, I've tried to snag up tickets for concerts and, you know, they go on sale. You don't know how many they're reserving for sale later. You know, they're selling out right away. There's the bots. There's these probably banks of computers that are run by scalpers where they're trying to grab everything and then immediately they put them on sale in secondhand market. And it's not fair for the fans. I, I love this transparency of blockchain and talk about that a little bit, Ashton. Yeah. The, the transparency is really one of the keys to increasing the communication between the artists, the vendors and the fans. Uh, you know, we want to know, are the tickets actually sold out? Or as you said, they, it always seems like the tickets sell out in the first minute, but then sure enough, the week before or the day before, oh, a bunch more tickets got released. And it's like, well, was it actually sold out or were you just withholding the tickets? Um, and it seems like it's common practice in almost every event that the worst part about the event is trying to get a ticket for it. And <laughs> so, so, so true. the worst part of the customer experience is actually the acquisition of the ticket. I have a question. T tell us a little bit about your team. How have you structured your team? And, and maybe for other people who are trying to understand ICOs, that's one of the things that we always tell people is like, do your own due diligence. Make sure if you do decide to invest in an ICO, it's a company that's doing something unique. They're disrupting an industry in a unique way. They're solving a big problem and they have a great team. So maybe tell us a little bit about uh, what you're working with over there. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I've gathered up like a really strong team uh, with lots of software development experience already in booking solutions, uh, very similar to the event booking application that we're working on. Um, and the president and the vice president um, of the company actually have worked on software development uh, booking scheduling system for the last eight years. So I've ported those guys over um, from the software, software development side. Um, and then we needed to add blockchain integration to be able to um, introduce the Ethereum blockchain and have the transactions process um, on the back end on this application. So uh, we have some blockchain developers from London that are really um, trying to make it so that the application is so user-friendly that people don't know that they're using the blockchain. We, so, like, we like that. Yeah, because, you know, if you're not a cryptocurrency person and you see these 0x something something transaction Ethereum, you're really, it's over your head. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to make everything in layman's terms. Um, and we're trying to reach out to smaller artists and venues and individuals uh, to lower the barriers to entry uh, in emerging markets as well so that we can create events as simply as possible but utilizing the blockchain benefits as of right now which uh, we're recording this on what is the date it's september the uh 19th yes thank you the 15th you said 
19th. 19th. What day is I just got back from a two week run of Europe. So I'm still going on fumes on jet lag. Actually, it's March 13th, Joel. Yeah. Where, what year is it? Um, 2016. You're, you're currently <laughs> in, and who's present. You're currently in phase two of the ICO, uh, 46% complete. Um, and those who participate, um, there's, there's a bonus for joining, um, is this an ICO that is open to United States residents? Uh-huh. Um, well, the ICO um, corporate corporate structure is based in Singapore. Mm-hmm. And um, it's good because um, we, we investigated <clears throat> Canada, United States, Singapore to uh, figure out who would be most accepting of these uh cryptocurrency projects like, arising and um we spoke with the singaporean uh regulators and they said it was best if we don't allow people from the united states to participate mm-hmm. so um in the token agreement we have made it aware to the united states that you shouldn't be participating if the token legislation in your jurisdiction um doesn't allow it and how do people, are we talking about on a state-by-state state basis or is this a federal basis? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've blanketed it to a federal basis. And I do know that certain states like New York and Washington are, the, the regulations are sort of growing at different rates. Mm-hmm. So right now, um, those states are seemingly a little bit more restrictive with participating in ICOs, um, whereas states like Nevada seem to be more open to cryptocurrency. But uh, for right now, we are leaving it to uh, withhold people from the United States. Okay, so, you know, again, uh, folks, this is still the wild, wild west. And you wanna make sure you do your own due diligence on wherever you place your investments, because you know Travis and I are not uh, financial advisors or uh, even know what we're doing with our own money. We're, you know, this is um, the crypto age is an interesting time. And we're going to look back years from now and go, oh, we, you know, we either saw the future and we were right or man, what a mess that was. But um, I think both of us think that blockchain is so disruptive and uh, there's no stopping the blockchain train. Uh, Ashton Addison, CEO of eventchain.io. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me, guys. It was great. Great stuff. Yeah, for more of that, if you want to actually see the walkthrough and and actually see how the process works, we have that in a screencast and a video there on the YouTubes. So cruise on over to badco.in forward slash YouTube. First of all, you got to hit the subscribe button because that, you know, that, that works all the magic that you need to be able to watch the video. So make sure you hit that and uh, then you'll be able to check that out. So a uh, great interview with Ashton Addison over there. Fascinating. I, I really hope they're able to pull that off because, you know, those ticket scams always kind of upset me, right? It's yeah, like, come on yeah. now. You know, Joel, it's crazy, me especially too. how many shows you go to. 
Yeah, I agree. It's a problem that needs to be solved, and I hope that they do solve it. It sounds like they're on their way. By the way, my apologies uh, to the weird robot-y voice in a couple set portions there of that interview. Not sure what happened there. I assure you that I am not being transmogrified into a droid um, or a robot of any Joel-bot, kind. Jolbot 3000. Hey, Joel Bot. Hey, uh, Travis and I are off to Aspen, Colorado for the Nexus Earth Conference, and we're actually going to be recording the next episode on the in the car on our way up into the mountains. So we'll probably go off format a little bit, and it's going to be an interesting on the road with Travis and Joel on the way to a conference in the mountains. It's going to be a really long title for that episode. <laughs> and, you know, the more that I research Nexus and and do de- dive into it, it seems really interesting because they're really trying to create their own decentralized internet. And, you know, the founder of that company, his dad is like an aerospace genius. And so they're actually, you know, launching satellites into space, going to create their own internet that circumvents the current internet, creating their own with the currency. It's it's just amazing to me. And the and the market cap of that thing is only like 180 million right now. So who knows if well, they're able to pull that off, that could be crazy. At this conference, Travis and I will officially be the two dumbest people in the room, which is great because we're going to be talking to some really smart people. We'll be doing some interviews on location, and we will report back to you our findings. Uh, Please do continue to review, whether on Facebook or on iTunes or wherever you hear us. Oh, we we have some news. I almost forgot. We Uh have big news. Uh Uh-oh. You want to go ahead and go ahead. Blow it out. Tell everybody. Aha! The big news. You didn't know what I was talking about there for a moment. You had to stop and like... No, I had to think. Uh, I was like, big news. Oh, my God. Big news. Yeah, yeah. We're on Spotify. Spotify. Yes. Very few podcasts on Spotify, and they love what we're doing. And now you can listen to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Something like one out of every bajillion or something. I don't know the exact numbers, but like a bajillion and a half podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. And until next time, stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.